Welcome to Awakened Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and I'm so excited to introduce a new series to you today, simply called Kindling. We are talking about how God desires to bring fire into our lives. All throughout the Bible, fire symbolizes the very presence of God. Scripture even says that God is an all-consuming fire. And today we're going to see the words that John the Baptist said of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3. He said of Jesus that he's going to come and baptize us in the Holy Spirit and fire. Well, I'm so glad you're joining me on this edition of Awaken to Grace, and I pray that today encourages you and builds your faith. I want to invite you to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verse 11 and verse 12 today. Today is a different sermon for me. All week I've been seeking the Lord on what He would have. Typically when I build my sermon notes because of the blindness, I'm unable to come up here with sermon notes or see a Bible or read from a Bible. So I rely very heavy on memorization. And so I'll go into my Alexa and Google devices and I'll build lists. And I've got a list called Sunday and I'll start working on my sermon and I'll, I'll add all of my thoughts and I'll try to put all my thoughts in order. And on a normal, typical Sunday, it may be 40 to 50 some items that I want to convey, that I want to remember This Sunday, the Lord, it seems, has just prohibited me from doing that, at least in that way. I've got four things on my list today, (laughs) and I couldn't get clarity, I couldn't, and and finally, you know, I'm wrestling with this, and and the Lord just tells me, Chad, I I don't want you to uh, teach facts, I don't want you to break down the words like you so often do and you know the meaning is this and this phrase means this I felt as though the Holy Spirit said Chad what I want you to do is talk directly from your heart and I want you to be so transparent with your church I felt as though the Holy Spirit said I want you to talk to the church today about setting the time aside to seek me For us to come into a place where we know what it is to seek God with our whole hearts. God made an indictment upon his people when he said that the people's lips speak of the Lord, but their hearts are far from him. Could that be you today? That you know all the right things to say? You have some key scriptures memorized. You know all of the worship songs. You have all the Bibles. You're even faithful to come to church. But you don't seek the Lord. I want to talk to you from my heart today as transparent as I can possibly be. In December 1903... The Wright brothers went to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, and they were the first to 
innovately fly an airplane. What innovation it took. There were several other people working on it. There was a race to who could fly first. The thought was out there. The concept was out there. But it was the Wright brothers who got there first. But if you have never read any of their story, I find it pretty interesting. They are not from North Carolina. Did you realize that? They were from Dayton, Ohio. But the Wright brothers knew that they needed two things to make a successful flight. They needed a soft landing and they needed strong winds. And so the Wright brothers began to inquire about the best place to launch this new, innovative concept of flying. They contacted the National Weather Service, and they began to receive, for weeks and months, they began to receive reports along the eastern seaboard of where the strongest winds were taking place. It just so happened that Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, with its great sand dunes, were the strongest winds along the eastern coast. Friends, it is very important that we as Christians, we as Christ followers in this day that you and I live, in this highly unpredictable day that we live, it is very important that you and I know and we understand and we study the winds and the trends. Do you realize that right now, in our day, right now today, there are very dangerous winds blowing across our country? There are winds of racism. There are winds of political darkness. There are winds of divisiveness. There are winds of socialism, of Marxism, frankly, of communism. There are very strong currents, very dark currents, very dangerous winds blowing through this nation right now. But may I propose to you, there is a stronger wind, far stronger than any of that that desires to blow through this country. And it is the mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit. And something happened in our church last Sunday. Raise your hand if you were here Sunday. You know I can't see you. I don't know why y'all raise your hands because I can't see it. But you do every time, don't you? Raise your hand if you just raise your hand. You probably did it again. I know you. Say amen if you were here last Sunday. Okay, then most of you know what I'm talking about. Sunday morning was supposed to be business as usual. We had our worship set. My text was 1 Samuel chapter 1. I had all my notes filed in my file cabinet right here, and I was, okay, here we go. We felt the Lord wanted our brother Caleb Stone to pray. Caleb's here every Sunday. He sits on the front row with me, and Caleb is sick this morning. He's a little under the weather, so he's not here today. I said, that's perfect. I can talk about him. Let me tell you. What ha- and listen, I didn't realize this until the 9 a.m. service. Caleb Stone came to our church, lost as could be, undone without Jesus, utterly lost. And the Lord sent him here October, three years ago. I didn't realize that until this morning. It was October. And this young kid walks in 
We didn't know him from Adam. 19 years old. This was three years ago. And he walks in and he goes back there between the, the translation booth and the, and the auditorium door. What would it be to your right, I guess, sitting down? To my left here. And he'd stand against that back wall. Angry. Hostile, mad. We'd try to be friendly to him. He wouldn't talk to you. He would come in and he'd wear a thick hoodie and he'd flip that hoodie up over his head and keep his head down and lean against the back wall. Drove our safety team bananas. (laughs) We didn't know who this guy was. Everyone tried to talk. He wouldn't talk to you. And we had no idea who he was. But he started coming week after week and he'd stand in the same spot. About that time, three years ago, we began Tuesday night prayer meetings. And to my surprise, he'd show up on Tuesday nights and he'd stand. He'd stand in the same spot. I don't know how many months he stood in that same spot. Everyone would invite him, come sit with us, come hang out with us. But he would stand in the same spot, completely detached. But God was getting a hold of him. Amen. And it was one Tuesday night. I'll never forget it. I had eyesight at that point. And God was moving that Tuesday night in a powerful way. And he came forward. He was so shy. He didn't even come to the front. He came over here to the side, about in the middle of this um, section where the chairs are. And he asked everyone to pray for him. And he said, I don't know what's happening to me. I knew exactly what was happening. God was putting his hand on him. Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you, he crumbled into the floor. And everyone that was here that night, they rushed him, laid hands on him, prayed over him. And I'm telling you, God's had his hand on him ever since. Hallelujah. Amen. He spent about a year and a half going through our ordination program. God's called him to preach. He leads most of our Tuesday night prayer services. Going to be a pastor here. God's raising him up. Well, Sunday we felt that he needed to pray And if you were here, you know, the Sunday before, Brad Lovell led us in prayer. And I could feel while Brad was praying, God just put in my spirit, fire, fire. I went to lunch with Brad this week and he said, Chad, I I could hardly walk off the platform. I felt it so strong. Caleb comes this past Sunday. He prays and again, God puts in my spirit, fire, fire, fire. All of a sudden, people began coming to the altar spontaneously without even opening it up. But people began to come and pray. Caleb prays. Everyone goes back to their seat. I'm ready to say, well, go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I can feel the Holy Spirit halting me, saying, Chad, preach in a minute. But right now, pray. People need to be prayed over. And let me tell you another way I know that was the Holy Spirit. Because I never one time thought about the pandemic. If I had thought about the pandemic, I probably would have resisted a little bit and thought, well, people don't want me laying hands on them. They don't want me right up in their face, but it didn't even cross my mind. Again, I knew the Holy Spirit was doing something. And I said, Caleb, come get me. And I came off the platform and I didn't know if one person or two people or five people would come forward. But if you were here, you know what happened. Many came forward 
to have hands laid on them, to be prayed over. We had to get Brett. We had to get Brad. We had to get Josh. We had to get Glenn. We had to get Caleb. We had to get, I mean, all these guys coming forward, Travis, and everyone's praying over people. And you know what happened? Say amen if you're listening right now. The wind shifted. Come on now, say amen if you're with me. The wind shifted. As Christians, we have to know what the wind is doing. We have to study the wind and know the trend and know which way the Holy Spirit is moving. I had a series planned on righteousness. I had several sermons already worked out on righteousness. But see, the wind shifted. (laughs) And now I feel like what the Lord is saying is kindling. Kindling. This is an unusual time. This is a unique time that the Lord has for us. Is it a, listen, could it be a unique time for you? Because let me just share with you a little of my story. When I was very young, I had an experience with the Lord that I have never gotten over. You're going to see in just a moment in our text that John talks about a baptism of Holy Spirit and fire. I was very young and I was walking with the Lord and God was walking with me and it was, the Lord just had his hand on me. But there was something missing in my walk. There was something that I could not quite put my finger on, but I knew something was lacking. I grew up in a wonderful church, a fantastic church, but I, I didn't know Matthew 3.11. I didn't know, I, I didn't know the, the terms like fire of the Holy Spirit. I, I didn't know that. No one had ever shared any of that kind of language with me. I, I didn't understand the Holy Spirit Working mightily in my, I, I just, you know, I, I thought that once you're saved, you know, you, you just, you, you know, you're saved and you evangelize and you lead others to the Lord. But there was something missing in my walk. And I began to listen to old preachers. I began to read books by dead men. You realize the best things written are by dead people. You know that, right? They had a different walk. They had a different touch on them back then. And I began to read and began to listen to people like that. And I began to pick up that what they had was an experience with God that I had not yet quite had. Yes, I had been saved. Yes, I had been baptized. But I had not quite had this experience that something was lacking. Go with me to Matthew chapter 3, verse number 11. Now, this is John the Baptist who says, and, and, and let's understand, you know who John the Baptist is, right? He was actually the cousin to Jesus. But far greater and far more important, he was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was to go and prepare the way. He was the voice crying out in the wilderness. You know what the problem is today with most of our churches and most of our preachers? 
Preachers today are more of an echo and not a voice. I don't want to be an echo of someone else. I want to be a voice crying out on behalf of Jesus Christ. And so John the Baptist, he, his name wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't a Baptist. <laughs> I grew up Baptist, but he wasn't Baptist. You understand that, right? And his last name wasn't Baptist. He was Baptist because that's indeed what he did. He baptized with water unto repentance. And that's what verse 11 tells us. John says, I baptize you unto repentance. I baptize you with water. Oh, how important. Friends, I cannot tell you how important water baptism is. Today, if you are a believer, you are a Christian, you are a Jesus Christ follower, and you have never been baptized, oh, my friend, you must be baptized. You need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. You need to obey Jesus. I had such a struggle when I got baptized. I was so afraid of it. I don't know why no one had ever drowned in my church. We had never had a casualty, ever. I don't know what scared me about it so much. But oh, it scared me. It frightened me to no end. But you know what? My mom told me something. I was very young and she told me something. She said, Chad, that's Satan not wanting you to follow Jesus. You want to know where I get my preacher from? It's from my mama. She can preach to you now. (laughs) She told me, she said, it's Satan. He don't want you to follow Jesus. This is a hindrance. You won't go any further with the Lord in your spiritual life until you obey God in believer's baptism. And she said, here's the thing. After you do it, Satan will never bother you with it again. And guess what? She was right. I followed the Lord that night in believer's baptism. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was so nervous. Again, there had never been a casualty. But I did it. And oh, how God blessed my life for it. For following him. Listen, if you've never made outwardly public what God has done inwardly, You need to do that. Our next baptism is October 25th. It's at Warriors Path State Park. We're going to baptize in the lake. And you need to be baptized. There's a sign-up sheet at the Welcome Center. Already many have signed up to be baptized. You need to do it. Amen? So John says, I baptize you with water unto repentance. But there is one coming after me who is mightier than I. Who I am not, listen, John said, I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. And here's what John said. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now let me tell you what's dangerous for Christians. Here's what's dangerous for believers. You and I read that verse with the lens, with the perspective Of whatever our past experience has been. Some of you, we are your first church. You're a blank slate. You say, well, if the Bible says the Holy Spirit and fire, sign me up. Because that's what I want. And you're a blank slate today. You're you're a blank page. You You want whatever God's got for you. But then there's others of us who we did grow up in church. We've seen different things. And you know what the danger is for us? 
The danger is that we interpret the Bible based on what we've seen. Is that right or is that wrong? So I may have grown up in a church that had a really weird view of what the Holy Spirit is. And when someone says the Holy Spirit, I go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I already know about that. But do I? Do I know the way the Bible teaches? Someone says prayer meeting. When I say prayer meeting, many of you already have in your head what prayer meeting is based upon what you've seen in the past. But is that a real, true New Testament prayer meeting? When I say preaching, some of you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know what that is. Preacher, oh, yeah, I've heard that many times. But is it true, biblical preaching? You and I interpret certain passages based upon our experience. And what I'm saying today is that you and I should not interpret Scripture on our perception. We should interpret it based on what the Holy Spirit shows us. Now, when I talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my own life, let me tell you what I am not referring to. I am not referring to emotionalism. I'll just be very honest with you. I'm about the most unemotional person you'll ever meet. I don't get very emotional. When I'm in very difficult circumstances and very hard, I'm not an emotional person. I, I, I am not drawn to sensationalism in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I don't like drama. And I don't like sensationalism. Now, some of you are like me. You've seen some crazy stuff in church. How many of you have seen crazy stuff in church before? Now, I've seen some crazy stuff. I was at a church one time getting ready to minister. And this, uh, <laughs> this uh, uh, pastor gets up and they're praying over people. And it, it, it got crazy real fast. And uh, I'm on the front row and I'm, I'm sitting there minding my own business. All right. I'm going, God, what are you doing? And God's going, I, I got nothing to do with any of this, all right? <clears throat> and, and, and listen, I believe in laying hands on people. I believe in anointing with oil because it symbolizes the Holy Spirit. I believe in anointing with oil. But see, when we anoint with oil, we'll, we'll like take it and, and, you know, we got like a little bottle of it. And we'll dab it on our fingers like that. And, and you know, we'll pray over people. This, <laughs> this preacher takes his bottle of Crisco oil. I'm not exaggerating. I'm t- it's this big. And he doesn't like dip it into his finger. He takes it. They had red carpet. And he takes it and he douses the whole bottle over his hand. And it's just soaking into that carpet. And I'm just watching it soak. And I'm going, oh man, look at that. Well, I'm sitting on the front row and there's this woman in front of me and he takes his hand And pushes her down on top of me. And I assure you, the Holy Spirit wasn't nowhere in it. I'm not talking about crazy today. Amen? I'm not talking about sensationalism. I I, I saw a pastor one time take a whole bottle of oil and sling it everywhere. (laughs) No thank you. Can I tell you one more crazy story? Just one more? Oh, my Lord. Now, this did happen at our church. I had a guest in, and he brought some friends of his from West Virginia. And this man, this man was an old man. 
He was precious now. I loved him. Don't, don't let me paint too bad of a picture here. He was a precious, precious brother. But he was, he was, he was old, and he got to singing and playing guitar. And this guy was sweating profusely. I mean, profuse. I couldn't believe he had the energy he had to be the age he was. And he was sweating profusely. I was about 25, maybe, or 26 years old. And, and, and this was at our church, at our old building. And he called me up in front of everybody. And this guy's just pouring sweat. And he goes, young man, he said, I'm going to give you an anointing that you ain't never had before. I thought, oh, Lord. Now, I'm telling you, I've seen some wild stuff. And he goes, you ain't never had this kind of anointing. And he takes his hand, and he wipes his sweat. And he goes, this is a country anointing, and lays hands on me. And I about go, ooh. It's some crazy stuff. Go on in church. But what I'm talking about is not sensational. What I'm talking about is not emotional. If you're going to take notes today, there's only one thing I want you to write down. It's the only thing God gave me today. There's only one thing I want you to write down. When Jesus says he will baptize you, with the Holy Spirit and fire. Friends, it's not an emotion. Write this down. It is not an emotion, but it is an experience. God is to be experienced. Yes, we are to know God. Oh, yes, we are to know Him. But we are to experience Him as well. Some of you were here when we spent two years in the book of Acts, walking through that glorious book, section by section, chapter by chapter, phrase for phrase. And you know what my greatest takeaway was through that two-year study of the book of Acts? Is that the Holy Spirit is to be experienced. What a shame it would be for you to know how to lead someone in salvation. For you to know the Romans road. And you to be able to tell someone how to be soundly converted. And yet you yourself had never experienced salvation. What a shame it would be for you to know and understand water baptism. Know the importance. Know the commands. Know the scriptures. Know the purpose. And yet you had never experienced water baptism. What a shame it is for so many of us to know the Holy Spirit, but have never experienced His fire and His baptism. So I was young when I had an experience with the Lord. It was a snowy day. My parents were at work. I was home from school. I had been tarrying with the Lord. I had been waiting on the Lord. See, even though I was very young, I was just as serious about God as I am today. I was just as serious about walking with God as I am right now today. And I knelt down at a chair at my house. 
And I began to seek the Lord. And I began to say, as I had for weeks and weeks, God, I don't know what's missing. I don't know what I'm lacking. I don't know. I don't quite know what it is. But God, whatever it is, I need it, Lord. Will you give it to me? And friends, I'm telling you, on that day, I was touched with a fire from on high that has never been quenched. It has never stopped. It has never let up. It has set the actual course for the rest of my life. And today, I must have the fire of God in my life. I cannot preach without it. I cannot pray without it. I cannot worship without it. I cannot do without the fire of God Almighty in my soul. It's that important. Say, Chad, how do I know? How do I, how do, I do this? Pastor Glenn, if you will, bring me my picture. I have a visual aid this morning. Isn't that ironic for a blind pastor to have a visual aid? (laughs) Thank you, brother. Now, see, teaching on the Holy Spirit, you have to be careful who you listen to. Because people tell you crazy things. People get way off in the weeds. People are crazy. You know people are crazy, don't you? people tell you everything. That's why you have to read the Bible for yourself. You got to know God for yourself. And and let me tell you, it's not just in the church world that people tell you opposite things. When when we were renovating our building, we we were going to pay an absolute ungodly fortune for our parking lot out here. And I couldn't believe how expensive it was. Well, we would bring in companies to do bids. One company would tell us, if you don't do it this way, you're going to mess up your whole property. And then the next company behind them, and I'm talking professionals. I'm talking like the biggest ones you can call around here. And then the other company would come in and they would say the exact opposite. And they would say, if you don't do it this way, you're going to mess everything up. We got bids on our carpet. We replaced all the carpet. One company would come in and they'd say, if you don't do it this way, exactly how we're telling you, you're going to do it wrong. Then the next company would come in right behind them and say, no, you got to do it this way or else you'll mess it up. Who do you listen to? You're all professional. Who's right? (laughs) We had to do our own homework, right? So it is in church. Some churches tell you, hold on. Some churches tell you, let go. Well, which is it? Some churches tell you be filled up. Some tell you get emptied out. Well, which is it? Churches will tell you all kinds of stuff. You better know what God wants. Amen? For you. Anyways. Let me, let, let me just, since you go to this church, and I'm your pastor, let, let me just clarify for you how I view this scripture. Matthew three eleven. We are to be baptized with water. Believer's baptism, absolutely. But then there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If you are saved today, if you're genuinely born again, is the Holy Spirit living inside you? Oh, absolutely He is. So this glass, let's say, represents a believer's life. Any Christian that is truly born again, any Christian that is authentically saved, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. Don't you let any preacher tell you that the Holy Spirit's not inside you. He is. 
You have the Holy Spirit within. But what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a time, it is a seeking, it is a yielding, it is a consecration, it is a surrendering unto the Lord that the Holy Spirit does a new and a fresh and a different work in you. What I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, yes, salvation is the Holy Spirit within you, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you are immersed in God. Do you see the difference? Yes, I have the Holy Spirit within me in salvation, but am I abiding within the Holy Spirit? Am I permeated? Am I controlled? Am I filled? Am I immersed in the Spirit of God? Or do I keep Him tucked away? Compartmentalized. He's over here. He's on Sundays. He's got a box. Or no, is my entire life drenched in the Holy Spirit? That's what I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Thank you, Glenn. So my question to you today Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'm not asking, have you received Jesus? If you're undone today, if you're lost today, if you've not repented today, you need Jesus. You need salvation. You need to be water baptized. But if you're like me, if you are in that place where you say, Chad, something's lacking. I love the Lord. I pray I read the Bible. I go to church. But something's missing. Could it be that you've never been filled, baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit? And friends, let me tell you, it's not emotionalism. And it's not sensationalism. But it is an experience with God Almighty So he says he's going to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. And then he says something very interesting. And with fire. Now why is it fire? What is it about God and fire? Let's explore this for a moment. You realize that the Bible says that God is an all-consuming what? Fire. You realize that when God set to to lead the, the children of Israel... Out of Egypt. How did he lead them? A pillar of cloud by day. And a pillar of what? Fire by night. You could talk about God encountering Moses with the burning bush in Exodus 3. You see fire in Exodus 19. You could talk about Elijah calling down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel. In 1 Kings 17 and 18. All throughout the Bible, God is associated with fire. When the Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind, what did accompany it? Cloven tongues of fire. Why is God symbolic to fire? Well, there's a couple of reasons, a few reasons. One, fire to a Jew symbolized light. 
Fire helped them see. You see, when God baptizes you in fire, He brings a discernment into your life. You begin to know the Holy Spirit in a much real and a more powerful way. Let, let me ask you a question. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and felt a need to pray, but you had no idea what to pray for? You just felt pressed to pray? See, those are times the Holy Spirit wants to pray through you. Those are times that He wants to intercede through you. Have you ever just had a feeling come over you that something you just had to pray? That's the Holy Spirit guiding you. It gives you light. It gives you wisdom. It helps you see circumstances. It helps you see situations in your life entirely different. It helps you know what God wants to do. Fire has always been symbolic of the presence of God. Why does God want to baptize you in fire? Because he wants a greater intensity of his presence in your life. God doesn't want you mechanical. God doesn't want you in a routine, a rhythm of just, well, you just come to church and then you live your life. No, God wants to live life with you. This, you realize this, this is only 90 minutes. Can you imagine what it will be like when we stand before the Lord God at the judgment seat of Christ and you have only scheduled 90 minutes a week with the Lord? And you compare that to Hulu. You compare that to your Netflix. You compare that to your online shopping. You compare that to your Facebook time. You compare that to all of your other interests and hobbies. And yet what you gave the Lord was 90 minutes. If that, in a week. No, friends, God wants to bring a different intensity into our lives. Yesterday was a day I consecrated unto the Lord. There were quite a number of things the Lord asked me to give up yesterday. And there were quite a few things that all day, every moment of the day, my mind was stayed on the Lord. You ever just give up things for the Lord and say, God, this time is for you. It's consecrated unto you. God wants to bring a different intensity into your life, a greater presence into your life. And it looks like fire. It feels like fire. Why else is fire symbolic of God? Well, not only does it bring light, not only does it bring wisdom, not only is it the very presence of God, but light. Listen, fire purifies. Fire cleanses. See, some of you are wrestling with sin today. And let me tell you, if you would get more fire of God in your life, you would have less sin. You're not going to have both. I promise you that. You'll not have that sin and God's fire. You'll, <clears throat> you'll forfeit the one for the other. And some of you are saying, how do I get free from this sin? Friends, you need the fire of the Holy Spirit. You need a greater yielding. You need a greater surrender. You need a greater consecration unto the Lord. And that sin will be pushed out of the way. That sin will be burned up by the fire of the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that every single human, every human is headed toward fire? That's a shocking statement, isn't it? Why is fire so predominant in the Bible? 
Why is God symbolic of fire? Why is fire so needed? What will fire do for a believer? It'll bring wisdom. It'll bring light. It'll bring an intensity of God's presence. It'll bring a cleansing of sin. And why is that so important? Because look at the next verse, my friends. Watch this, verse number 12. Now, don't miss this. The Bible says that after the threshing is done, that Jesus will take the wheat and he'll store it into the barn. That's symbolic of heaven. That's symbolic of the people of God. But the chaff, in other words, the fake, the empty, the phony, the non-repentant people, the churchgoers, the religious people who just play church. They had no interest in the the authenticity of God or, or the genuineness of the Holy Spirit. They had no real interest in repentance. They had no real interest in the things of God. All they did was play church. The Bible says that the chaff will be gathered up and will be burned with an unquenchable fire. Hear me today, church. Every human soul is marching toward fire. Every human being will experience a fire. Either it's going to be the fire of hell, damnation, as the Bible teaches over and over and over, and it doesn't matter what society says, it doesn't matter what culture says, it is the truth of the word of God. And every human soul will either experience the hell, fire, damnation of hell, or those who are born again will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And God, listen, the Bible says that God will compile all the works of our life, everything, every motive we've ever done, and what's going to happen to all of the works of our life. God is going to set it to fire. 1 Corinthians 5. And what's going to happen if the works of our life were hay, wood, and stubble, then they're just going to disintegrate. There's going to be nothing left of them. But if the works of your life were pure, if they were authentic, if they were genuine, if they were to God's glory, to Christ's exaltation, the Bible says that it will be as gold or silver or precious stones. They will grow in their value as fire purifies it. Amen. How well it's been said when this life is done and past. All that is done for Christ is all that will last. So in all of your searching, in all of your seeking, in all of your working, in all of your gaining, in all of your obtaining, are you seeking God? Are you seeking things that are eternal? Are you seeking the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life? Or are you playing church? Are you routine? Are you mechanical and cold on the Lord today? Friends, there's a fire that God wants to give you. God wants to touch you with a fire from heaven that will never, ever be put out. The question is, will you seek him? God wants to do it, but will we seek after it? Will we tarry for it? Will we wait for it? Will we consecrate for it? That's the question today.
Let me be very transparent with you. See, I have to have fire. I have to. I have to. If I have to fast, if I have to give things up, if I have to hide away, if I have to steal myself away, I have to have it. 